This is Nathan Fitch, Crash Landing on the Moon Tower Podcast. Three, two, one, let's jam. And we're back at it. <laughs> Hello, next week. Uh, <laughs> How you doing next week? How you doing the future? I see your fat ass on Sunday. <laughs> Art <Little> Carl. <laughs> Is that Carl from fucking uh, Aqua Teen? We oh yeah yeah that's what that's what it is. <laughs> Get on my lawn. <laughs> None of this matters. Hey, get out of my pool! Tara. Tara, I'm my biggest fan. Fuck, man. Did you ever watch that show? See the dumper on that broad? I only, I only, saw, a few, <laughs> I only saw a few episodes of that. I, I was never big yeah. into oh, uh, Aqua Teen. Like, First I do, four seasons, I'd say, are a creme de la it was, creme. It was one of those shows that was like, like my brother was into it, and I knew cats that were into it. I never like actually sat down to watch it, but... I'd be fucking ripped in the house, you know, during the winter, and like that'd be like on. I'd we- say like the first couple seasons of that, like Harvey Birdman and Aqua T- or in Sea uh, Lab. Yeah, I, uh, I, that's that's where like the Adult Swim was uh, for me. Okay, I remember I remember watching a little bit of Sea Lab, uh, Aqua Teen, and uh, Squ- Squidbillies. Ah, uh, yeah, Squidbillies. Love good me too. some Squidbillies. That that shit hit uh, close little, to home. A little bit of Tim and Eric. Like I liked the Tim and Eric for there for a minute. I never uh, got not in... so much lately, but like back in the days, was like the absurdist humor was like you know really fetching to me. I never got into their show. There was actually that's that's funny you bring that up. Um, there was a film that they did with the director who did the Entertainer featuring Neil Hamburger. Okay. Uh, the the film was called The Comedy. I remember re- reviewing that. Uh, back. 2012 2013 yeah yeah sounds all right back when i was uh a freelance journalist when i when i went through that shtick which is a great shtick because it allows you to write about anything that you want at the time yeah like whatever's on your mind you can write about it like and i started with film and movie reviews for film slate film slate magazine was a website uh, Jamie Pasco was the editor, and I give much kudos to him for giving me the shot. Uh, I did, a, I, I did a, a review of the comedy. That's the name of the film. Okay. With, with it had Tim and Eric in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. From I haven't seen it since then. In the last six, seven years. Very fucking good. Uh, it was about. Uh, Tim's the uh, bearded one, right? Tim Heidecker. That's uh, Eric Wareheim. Whatever. The short, the short, stouty one. That's is that, that Tim? That's, that's Tim. Yep. Okay. He was the main character. Uh, as I punched the mic, <laughs> he played a character whose father had died, and he had a little bit of inheritance, but he was just lost upon his journey, and he was just being a big man child, essentially. Oh yeah. Uh. I thought it was very good. 
I don't quite remember much of the film to be to be honest I remember how I felt after I saw it and after I reviewed it uh, and as of right now I can recommend it I just haven't seen it in so long I I, I know I need to see it now that you're mentioning it so because yeah like I said they did another one called uh, The Entertainer where it was Neil Hamburger which is, the, is that Tim's side uh, character or is that somebody else uh, I want to say that's somebody else I was going to say, like, I, I never really got into them. I know they have their own, like, Andy Kaufman-type shtick. I don't think they really do, like, pseudonyms, though. I think it's, the, like, usually they'll play characters, but, it's like, it's well, the explicitly the, Eric Wareheim the, and the char- Tim Heidecker. The, the yeah. character, Neil Hamburger, the awkward stand-up comedian. Okay. Why is it that... Like, they got it sweats a lot with the fucking... Oh, uh, that sounds like a Tim. That sounds like a Tim. Okay. Yeah. If it, if it's them, I don't know, but like yeah, because like, like oh, what is it like? Uh, Casey and his brother, like that's Casey, is like a sweaty guy with like psoriasis or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I I'm lost upon the reference. Like like yeah. I said, I, I I I remember that film in particular, but yeah, the like when Adult Swim was early on, it, that shit was brutal. Yeah, dude. Like I I I remember out of that coming Robot Chicken. Robot mm-hmm. Chicken was like the one, the one show I definitely remember from that. We watched yeah. that religiously, being high. When I, I, I still enjoy Robot Chicken on occasion. It's like you kind of have to like just go into it, and it's like, ah, yeah. Well, it's funny because like I I haven't gone back and watched any of that stuff. Like I don't like go back and watch like Squidbillies or uh, Aquatine. Yeah, but I'll go I, back and watch like Venture Brothers like religiously for like you know like every year. Like I'll go through like the entirety of it and. Just have at it and be done with it. Because I love I love Venture Brothers. Venture Brothers is a very very nice. Is show. Is that um, the animated superhero one or is that C Lab I'm thinking of? It's the animated superhero. It's kind of like Johnny Quest, but like fucked up. That's that's what it is. Yeah. With the guy with the shield over his head. Yeah. It, like I said, I'm speaking in layman terms because I'm not identified with it, but. It, yeah, it, it, basically, it's like Johnny Quest, but like. Like kind of like going over the human condition, what's flawed about it, at okay. the same time. Okay, so he didn't have a sidekick named Haji. <laughs> uh, no, it's who, who was uh, browner from the Middle East. It's, no, it's like two like twin-ish brothers and their dad and their bodyguard, and they go and do adventures and shit. But like at the same time, like it'll go further down the line about like the supervillains, like like their failure, and you know, just like people feeling in general, and like you know how they feel about it. As like you know, slice life sort of shit. See, at at that point, I remember um, my brother and his friends were all about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't just because like I I would come downstairs and he'd be watching it kind of thing, and I would yeah. sit down and watch it. I don't like even with the Aquatine or the Squidbillies episodes that I like. I I can't quote them. I I don't. I can't that's the whole thing with like television shows in general for me. Like I, I know they exist. I, I know that they're funny. I know I had a good time watching them and not just like the, the adult swim stuff, but just television in general. Like, like Futurama or like even like older Simpsons. And oh, even, even, yeah. even stuff like that or like South park or family guy or whatever. Yeah. 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 Like I, I know certain moments yeah. that I liked like for instance, like with Squidbilly, his fucking boss was named Dan Halen. 
Yeah. How the fuck am I not going to love <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. No, that was I, fucking great. I remember that was uh, one of the selling points that my brother was like, dude, you're going to love the show. I'm like, it's just redneck squids. And like, he walks into the boss's office and his name's Dan Halen. I'm like, all right, I'm sold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or like when uh, the one Aqua Tween, Aqua Tween? Aqua <laughs> whoa, 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 is uh, the one where death is always outside the house. Yeah. And he's like oh, in the yeah, gutters and like one. cleaning up the yard and shit yeah. or whatever. I remember that episode. Like, but that's always been kind of a thing with television for me in general. Like, there's like, you, like whatever show, like Sanford and Son, All in the Family, I Love Lucy, all the shit that we grew up with. Like, you, yeah. Like, with that, like, old serialized set, like, there was, like, it was absurdist in nature, but they didn't even, like, realize it. Like, now so, it's like, oh, hey, they realize it's absurd. And it's kind of like, you know, like a flip side in the old shit. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's kind of, like, fun to reflect on that, in my opinion. But, well, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's funny for me because, like, I, I never went back. Like, even the shows that I, and I, I've talked about this before, like, like uh, we were talking about, uh, Breaking Bad, for instance. Yeah, I've only yeah, seen yeah. the very first episode. No, I, I haven't seen any of the other episodes. I know kind of how it we're ends. We're talking about shows that like Jump the Shark and how like people yeah. say like that one didn't jump the shark. I was and it's like yep, subjectively, sure, what, whatever. Like you know, like I found there was like disappointing moments, but I, not to the point of like you know a jumping the shark. I guess you would say yeah. So I can understand why people would say that. Like honestly, like since probably two thousand. 13, 14. Uh, I've seen all three seasons of Stranger Things. And I'm talking about shows like as of late. Mm-hmm. I've seen all three seasons of that. I watched the first season of Punisher and Twin Peaks of Return and watched the original series when it was on yeah, in the early yeah, 90s. Yeah, yeah. But outside of tele- like that recently, for me, television has never been really been like one of those things that have stuck to the cranium like mm-hmm. you know like what you're just saying about the adult swim shows you can go back and pick out certain episodes like trailer park boys is pretty much the only show for that for me Fair enough. where i can go back and pick out certain episodes like oh you never heard of this or you may not like it or whatever or here's this episode and laugh your balls off you know like that's honestly the one show Maybe The Sopranos. Yeah, I'm digging deep. <laughs> <laughs> At least you didn't say The Wire. So. Well, I, I, I... There's some good episodes of The Wire, though. I heard definitely. the... I heard the thing with The Wire, too, was... It was one of those shows that... It it did right by itself the entire time it was on. Yeah. I've heard... Actually, I, I, think, I think I've told you this, too. Once again, it sounded like a broken record where... I was with a group of friends and I said that I said something to the effect of name one show that is better than any movie you've seen. Or I said, we're talking about like gangster movies. Yeah, actually, yeah, if I can yeah. hammer it home, I said, uh, name one show that you think is better than Goodfellas as far as like TV versus movies. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously like, you know, movies yeah. like that's my thing. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like subjective, like you're like more, movie centric to like yeah. television centric yeah that, that should television to movie yeah or, and that, that's totally fine well and i, I i've noticed that in general too with p 
people I've come across is that, you know, they can quote stuff from like, you know, The Simpsons or Breaking Bad or uh, Mad Men or fucking whatever shows on now. You know, even Stranger Things. I That's still kind or of a Bla- thing. Or Black Mirror or whatever. Black Mirror's yeah. another one. Yeah, yeah. Definitely another one. Uh, or whatever's on Netflix or whatever. Whereas I can, you know, I can quote movies like that, you know. But um, I asked the question, uh, going back to the point of, you know, TV versus movies. Name one show that you think is better than Goodfellas. You know, I threw out Goodfellas because that's, that's the one movie that everyone fucking loves. Oh. And for good reason, because oh, it's yeah. a great fucking movie. I, if you don't like Goodfellas, then you're just wrong. <laughs> you better you better have a yeah, you really good have a good point to I, back up on because uh, I don't think you know what you're talking about. No, I just like <laughs> we'll get back to that because I I do want to go off on uh like stuff that is just inalterably unarguably fucking just great you know, Goodfellas being one of them and one of the cats in the room said The Wire. He's like, that to me is the greatest show ever. Fucking, it's better than almost any movie I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, whoa. All right. You're going you're gonna, to, I like it. As the neighbor would say, I like a bold statement. So right. I'm like, and I. Some contention. I, I dig it. Yeah, I dig that. <laughs> I dig that. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. I'm not some fucking right wing, left wing cocksucker. I'm just you know, like right in the middle. I want to hear why. I don't I, and to get back to all that stuff is I don't even care why you like it. I just want, or excuse me, I, I don't care if you like it. I want to hear why, if you yeah, do or don't. Yeah. Well, let me feel the fiber of your fabric. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> and this cat went off uh, about how you know the wire, for instance, was one of the great shows and uh, the character development and storyline, this, that, and the other. And I've heard the same thing about Breaking Bad, which is like I don't feel the, and I'm not denigrating it i'm not knocking it i just with television and i felt this about after watching the third season of of uh stranger things where you know you invest so much time and effort as a fan watching the show and then it comes to a part or at the end of the season and you feel like you just kind of wasted your time mm-hmm. i'm not saying that the i felt that way after no, watching I feel like they Stranger do that a Things, lot with like TV shows, like they'll like pull it, like pull you to like the first half of the season, and then they'll do like a big antagonistic like end of the season, mm-hmm. so that they can end on a cliffhanger, and then it doesn't seem too weird. Yeah, like like say for instance, you have a show that you know it's eight ten episodes, mm-hmm. you know they're half hour hour long, whatever. You're gonna invest them. That's two movies, three movies mm-hmm. worth of time that you're gonna invest in that. And then people get so pissed or so, uh, uh, um, not glorified, but uh, fulfilled. Yeah. They get a little bit antsy. Yeah. Of what, they, what they've what they seen, what they process, are able to process and argue over. Whereas for me, you know, that time can go into one two-hour movie, three-hour movie, four-hour movie, whatever. And then it's just that single Piece of work. Piece of work, that yeah. single entity, whereas, you know, with television, it's like, 
oh well that episode led into that this episode kind yeah, of dropped that have a, like a lot more like scrutiny because the, it's like there's like a wider variety of things you can scrutinize because like episode to episode it varies the 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 spider web yeah. becomes a venn diagram and for me that's just a nuisance mm-hmm. whereas within a film okay you know, this person said this, this person said that. It lines up, and if it doesn't work, then you can go back and break that down. And that, to me, works so much better just for the mind, and you can create such a more cohesive argument for or against when considering a film as opposed to a television show. You know, like, for instance, um, I don't know, have you seen epi- uh, the third season of Stranger Things? I have not. I've, you've watched the first two, uh, I'm assuming? I've seen a couple episodes of the first one. Okay. Well, in the third season, uh, it's farther into the season. I think it's episode seven or eight. I think it's episode eight. It's the last. I think, no, it's, yeah, it's the last episode. There's this whole point where they make this big reference to never-ending story. Okay. And at first, it bugged the shit out of me. Like It was a definite jump-the-shark moment. Where I felt if they hadn't done it, things could have progressed along and ended up differently in the episode and could have tied things together. But they dedicated so much time to this reference that it, to me, when I saw it, bugged the hell out of me and almost fucking destroyed all of it. Then going back and hearing people's explanations, well, this, that, and the other, well, the... I get I it, it. I and, and, and I think that once again to reiterate that whole thing, it's like with films you only get that, but it goes back to one specific point in the actual timeline of the piece. You know, like 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 we said, well, with TV you can go from well this episode kind of foreshadowed this and this character and this though. Yeah. Whereas in a film you have two hours, two and a half, three hours. Yeah. That's why I like Cowboy Bebop, because you can appreciate each episode on its own. But at the same time, it's like a collective narrative of everything going that's, on. That's honestly what I, what I felt about uh, Twin Peaks to Return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each episode was like a, a short film. There was that narrative thread, but I felt you... It didn't hinge its bets on that narrative thread. Yeah. And I and I think that's... They want to be like a statement every well, time they like, not, put not an episode a, out. Not even a statement, but I think just the... Uh, not even a statement or a point of view. It's just, this is what's happening. And I think what David Lynch did very well was create that separation to where, you know, even if... Because I was... I. I had seen a few episodes of actually several episodes of the first two seasons when it originally aired, okay. not when it originally aired, but the neighbor is a big fan of it. And he was sh- like getting me, uh, acquainted to it. Oh yeah. Like he'd play the first two seasons in preparation for the new season or whatever. And, but the way the, re- the return season played off, I was hooked. Like, and I wasn't as adjusted to the actual show as many people were mm-hmm. especially of his age because that's you know that came the 91 92 yeah yeah was when it originally aired that show but the watching the return season 2017 as 
kind of a, uh, an amateur fan. Yeah. Hooked me. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the way that the season played out. I thoroughly enjoyed how the characters played out. I think Kyle McLaughlin should have won every award underneath the star for the way he played Cooper and Dougie and Bad Cooper in that season. I like I I've, I've told the neighbor several times where I honestly think if 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 you were to go back and just watch that season, I'm I'm not saying to go back and watch that season and ignore the what came before. And there's also the film that came before as well, oh, ninety two. Great film, great fucking, a very unheralded film. Very, I think, uh, not misunderstood, but misunderstood for its time. Yeah, misinterpreted. Exactly. So to speak. Yes. Yeah. No. That's fucking good job, Nate. Perfect. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> hey. But what Kyle, what Kyle McLaughlin did as far as as far as his performance in Twin Peaks: The Return. Television-wise, should be heralded in the same breath as what Peter Sellers did in Doctor Strangelove. Okay. Because yeah, what and yeah. because what Kyle McLaughlin did as the you know as far as the nuance in the character, uh, the body language, the tone of voice, and deciphering all three of the characters that he played, I thought was fucking impeccable, absolutely impeccable. I. The highest of praise, in my opinion, because uh, he played three separate characters. Well, he he had originally played Dale Cooper in the original Twin Peaks, mm-hmm. who's this kind of like Jimmy Stewart kind of no nonsense detective, FBI agent, excuse me. But in in the Return, he plays the bad guy. He plays, eventually plays Dale <laughs> Cooper, but. He, for the bulk of the season, he plays this character named Dougie Jones. Dougie Jones doesn't have any dialogue mm-hmm. for 80%, 90%. Of, it's one word. Like, there's a... Like, like the it, main character from Drive in, like, the first, like, 45 minutes. Uh, like, he has, like, 20 lines of dialogue. Maybe. Way better. Way better yeah. than what Ryan Gosling pulled off. Yeah. Way better. Because... The Dougie Jones character is a, a man-child. And okay. he just, he just, he goes by, like, for instance, one of the episodes starts off with, there's a big, uh, 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 controversy conspiracy going on in the office that he works in where like, uh, his boss is scheming with people who are interwoven with the actual story. One of those subplots. Yeah. Yeah. And the way his character is brought in is by one of the office associates having a uh, tray of coffee cups and Dougie Jones he's got his arms outstretched like chasing after him like panting <laughs> like a dog like very Boris Karloff Frankenstein kind of yeah, you know yeah. just it's all body like language but like you know oh my god it's fucking perfect yeah. and he just comes in like chase <sighs> and he gets his cup of coffee and he sits down and starts drinking it and the guy his boss starts telling him what the problem is and he just looks over says a line of coffee and just goes back to it but like the lines of dialogue that he has very few far in between connect that dialogue what you consider that dialogue storyline mm-hmm. the way he they fucking played uh, character arc oh my god yeah. it's 
without doing anything. It's yeah. That to me is the fucking as far as any performance that you would consider like the hardest thing is to do nothing. Yeah, no, but that's still how be I there. feel like a seamless performance should like operate. Have you ever seen fucking um? You ever seen the film Being There? Peter Se- going I back to not. Peter Sellers. Um, I, I, I feel I need to uh, check it out. 1979, Hal Ashbery directed it. Hal Ashbery did The Last Detail, Harold Maud, uh, Bound for Glory, Shampoo. Uh, the last film he did in the 70s is called Being There. It has Peter Sellers in it. Okay. And it is one of the great performances ever because Peter Sellers plays this gardener. His name's Chan- Chance the Gardener. Uh, the caretaker of the house dies, and it gets overrun. He was a, like a government, I believe, a government official. And Chance the gardener, who's this simpleton, no nonsense, you know, very monotone, flat tone character, like whatever his life is, that's all he knows. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. he's he's not left or right. He's literally right down the middle because he's just he's kind of like a ghost in a way. Well, his character ends up uh, getting in with Shirley McLean's character, who's like a, a senator's wife or congressman's wife, and he gets bashed on the head and became. And when they ask him what his name is, he says Chauncey Gardner. That ends up becoming his new. Uh, his new title, his new name, his new persona. And the way that Peter Sellers plays it throughout the film is straight down the middle. Like, if it veers too far, like two inches to the left, two inches to the right, it doesn't work. It fails right on top of its head. But the way that he does it, like, he ends up becoming, like, a head statesman. Like, the president garners his advice for... Uh, different diplomatic affairs and foreign affairs and shit like that but he's just like literally like this 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 no name doofus who (laughs) wanders into the setting and then ends up being kind of like uh, a big player but the way that he does it is so fucking pristine Mm -hmm. like honestly like uh, fans of Peter Sellers and his work will say that as far as like acting, there's either Doctor Strange Love or this film. Because in being there, he's just this goof who just happens and lucks into it and he just keeps the same character the entire fucking time. And that to me is the way Kyle McLaughlin plays this character, Ducky Jones, where he doesn't have much as far as dialogue to work with, so it's all body language, it's all the way he moves his eyes, the way he looks at the camera, the way he delivers a line, the way he shifts his shoulders, shit like that. Like, fucking, off the top of the head, the closest thing I can come up with is fucking uh, De Niro and Jackie Brown. You ever, you've seen Jackie Brown? I have not. The, uh, Tarantino's third film? Yeah, no. Fuck, uh, dude. Uh, <laughs> you might want to. It's <laughs> it's on point. Okay. Because it's two and a half hours of talking. Yeah. But it's Elmore Leonard, base script. Uh, there's a heist. There's not really a whole lot that goes on, but just the character that De Niro plays. He plays his ex-con, fresh out of jail. He's trying to get back into life. And all he does 
like he he's uh partners with Sam Sam Jackson's character. And Sam Jackson like the lines like a uh, AK-47 when he absolutely positively got to kill every motherfucker in the room except no substitutes. That line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's from Jackie Brown. Okay. Uh and all De Niro does and what what I've uh read and listened to in Tarantino's interviews about this character, his name's Lewis with De Niro is that he had T- Tarantino had a whole shit ton of dialogue written out for Tarantino or excuse me De Niro's character yeah yeah and De Niro was like and this is according to Tarantino you know this guy's just getting out of prison he's been in he's been away for like I think 8 or 12 years and he he has no he doesn't know what's going on oh yeah so as he would what's he gonna do he's gonna sit there and he's gonna do nothing. And fucking De Niro in that film, it's, it's if people don't consider that one of his best performances, then goddamned, like, because all he does is sit there and just kind of react. He just murmurs, yeah, yeah, that's okay, yeah, that's it, that's it. And to get him at that point, ninety seven, like the the last of his fucking of his uh. His prime time, mm-hmm. amazing. It, like, I mean, there there is something to be said about, you know, less is more, you know, especially as far as performances and whatnot. And I knew I, just the off cuff, like we were gonna get to a bunch of other shit, but I'm on a roll, so fuck off. <laughs> I feel like Jean Reno and like the professional. Hmm. Hmm. That, that's a good mm-hmm. one. That's a good one. That's, dude, I haven't seen that in quite some time. Dude, yeah, that's a, that's a good one. It's a little weird, but like you know. Well, it gets overshadowed yeah. by Gary Oldman. Yeah. Because he's the bombastic fucking. I always love the calm. Or was it the calm before the storm? Yeah. Arrest everyone. Everyone. I mean, that's another cat that like, just bleed into a character. Drexel in fucking True Romance. Mm-hmm. You ever you ever seen that? I've not. You ever seen True Romance? No. Oh man. Uh, it was going back to fucking Tarantino. That was the film he sold the script before he made Reservoir Dogs. Okay. Uh, Ridley Scott's brother Tony Scott directed that. The guy that did Top Gun, he did uh, Domino, he did the remake of Taking uh, Pelham One Two Three, he did The Last Boy Scout. Fuck, he did shit ton of the movies. Uh, Man on Fire with Denzel. Okay. He did True Romance, and Gary Oldman plays a <laughs> dude. That Sam Jackson's that movie too. Okay, Th- that uh. movie, dude. Literally, you look at the cast of that movie; it's a fucking who's who. But like early nineties, like Sam Jackson before he's big, James Gandolfini before he's Tony Soprano's in that. Christian Slater is his heyday. Fucking Michael Rapaport is his heyday. Brad Pitt in a fucking cameo. He plays uh, Floyd. All he does is sit on the, lay on the couch and smoke weed out of a honey, honey bear fucking uh, tube, <laughs> like you know, like the yeah, teddy bear uh, honey yeah, tubes. Yeah, yeah. He's got that rigged, rigged up as a fucking bong. That's uh, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, fucking uh, Chris Penn, Tom Sizemore, uh, so uh, Gary Oldman's in it. Fucking uh, oh, I wait, that's. That's about all of them. That's about it. Uh, Patricia Arquette. 
great fucking movie. It's 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 good. It's good popcorn movie. Yeah. Because that was actually supposed to be part of a trilogy that Tarantino had. It's, it was called the Road Trilogy. It was supposed to be that. And then it was supposed to bleed. It bleeds into Reservoir Dogs. And then out of that was supposed to be what eventually became Natural Born Killers. Okay. Because he wrote yeah, the he yeah. wrote the original script for Natural Born Killers, and then Oliver Stone took it over, and then Tarantino hated what it became, so he ended up getting just a, a, a story credit. Because he didn't want the socio uh, uh, socio cultural uh, uh, bend dialogue that, and all that the yeah. bend yeah. that Natural Born Killers ended up having, and honestly kind of glad that that happened because i fucking love natural born killers yeah it's a good right yeah love it love it love yeah, it i don't I, think it's like a tarantino movie mm-mm. like not at all it's got it's, it's got way too much like satire well the, the, the dialogue you can tell has they they kept some like tarantino is way more thematic and this is like more of a broad theme and he's never been good with like broad themes well he, he's never wanted to go off go after like uh like sociocultural like satire like the way oliver stone has yeah yeah. you yeah. know he doesn't want to, he doesn't care about tackling uh you know the points of the day like mm-hmm. we were what we were talking about in the last episode yeah yeah you know like trying to decipher between you know the idea ideology of the right and the left for yeah. instance Okay. You know, like Tarantino's never been interested in that. Oliver Stone has because he comes from a different kind of time and point than Tarantino. Where, you know, with Oliver Stone, it's like originally they wanted to take that script and just make like a, a road action movie, you know, and uh, as Oliver Stone quoted, he's like something that Schwarzenegger can be proud of. You know, just a okay, blazing, you fair, know, guns. Fair you know, sex and violence kind of thing. And then it ended up becoming because of the time, you know, 93, 94, you know, the whole OJ thing, the Menendez brothers fucking, Oh yeah. You know, Waco, uh, you know, yeah, movies like falling down coming out around that time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's another fucking great example. Yeah. That's another fucking great example. Joel Schumacher made Dude, that. I love that movie. <laughs> Dude, I haven't seen that fucking movie in fucking forever. The guy who made the fucking lost boys made that movie. Yeah. Joel Schumacher. Michael fucking Douglas, <laughs> I just want some fucking breakfast. Yeah, right. But like, like that that whole like America on edge kind of thing. Because I yeah. mean, that's that's and trying to pinpoint that point in time. Excuse me. You know, with Oliver Stone, love him or hate him, he's he doesn't shy away from that stuff. You oh know, yeah, if anything, he like revels in it. <laughs> and and I I think for the most I I think more times it's it's done him more ill it's done him ill than good you know trying to hammer especially that especially with like home. jfk and shit you know I, I honestly i prefer nixon over jfk okay uh jfk that was one of those ones where i completely understand why he made it i understand i i get why he made it you know because oliver stone was in vietnam in oh, yeah. the late 60s early 70s he, he he's a fucking non-vet and he had that disillusionment, you know, that 60s, 70s vibe of what the fuck are we doing? Like, been led astray. You know, we, we thought, like, what I talked about fucking earlier, like, 
I used to think America meant for this, and I yeah. I used to think my way of life meant this, and now it's completely Things shredded are, and dissolved. <laughs> you know, like I I and I completely respect his approach with JFK. You know, like you know, you know, replicating the the media at the time, like it's coming at you at all points. Like it was one of the first times in you know, what we consider modern American history. I could, did I just slap that? That hurt. Did you hear that? You got it? All right. I consider modern American history to come after August 6th, 1945. That to me is modern history. When we dropped the atomic fucking bomb on Hiroshima. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is the beginning of modern history. In my opinion, like especially modern, modern American history. And he grew up, Right after that. He was born right after that. I think he's 73 or 74 now. All we're still yeah, yeah. So coming from that and being raised, I believe, in a conservative background. Pause for cigarette break. And then going into Vietnam and becoming entrenched in that, in that big culture war in the late 60s and the 70s. You know, JFK's dead, Martin Luther King's dead, fucking Bobby Kennedy's dead. These people that, who I assume the youth at the time, and obviously Martin Luther King yeah. more All than... All right, I was dropped like fucking flies. Well, so, and yeah. Martin, <laughs> Martin Luther King, more than the Kennedys, were was a much... He was a better person, I think. <laughs> I don't disagree with that. But having that time of disillusionment, you know... The government's lying to us, and they're just prolonging this war, and people are dying for no fucking reason, mm-hmm. for no reason. And it's on TV every night, and the way that the media just threw it at you, you know, cannonball style. I get the way why he did JFK. I, I, I've seen it once. I saw it once probably it was ten years ago. Okay. But Nixon, I've seen the film that the two films after that. Because he did a film called uh, Heaven on Earth with Tommy Lee Jones about a returning non-veteran who ends up marrying a Vietnamese woman. But 1995-96 was when he did Nixon with Anthony Hopkins, who I think does a very good job. I th- I, I actually prefer that. It's another three-and-a-half-hour long biographical kind of uh, dissertation on yeah, Nixon yeah. and the character and where he came from and the presidency and whatnot. So I became, I, I was always more of a sucker for that just because I think that's the height of American. What's the word I'm looking for? Not, not trauma or hubris. Yeah. yeah. Hubris. I, I, I really think that that was the edge of American hubris and everything since then has just be, been more of like Caligula, more of a Bukake kind of style. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Reagan and Bush and Clinton and Bush too and even Obama and Trump were it's kind of just like sucking off the teat of that hubris. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Nixon set the tone. He set the gold standard, man. Yeah. Like anything controversial or should be controversial is not a controversy anymore. It's just run of the mill. Yeah, like, are, are we so beaten down to that? That's 
anything that should be happening isn't happening because we're being fed that whatever is happening should be the hot topic of the moment, and it's always yeah. in the 10-second spurts and less. Yeah. Well, fuck all that. What the hell have you been up to, Nate? <laughs> like, get get me uh, off get me off this this fucking well, uh, never ending train. I'm quitting like, I, my I, job. I, I, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For all the viewers out there, I've been working at the Renaissance for like two years, and yeah, the new management's kind of shit. So, bye. <laughs> and I'll uh, I'll defend that not only because. Uh, Actually, mainly because it's my guy's uh, is my is word of mouth. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't say wrong. I've I've been the one sticking through thick and thin, and it's like the thinness is done with it. Very, very there. <laughs> well, I, I fuck man. I we've all been there. Oh yeah, we've all been there. And I, I think like just to wrap it right back around. I think a lot of people are put off and just have quit from what's going on and for good reason because they gotta live their own lives oh yeah yeah that's kind of how i've been feeling lately you know just beating you down the man getting you down yeah a little bit like a little bit like you know i want to like learn different life skills like you know try to fix my house up a little bit so it's like hey i feel like it's perfect time to like you know reevaluate myself and try to try something different you always gotta take time for yourself oh yeah you always got to take time away from stuff that you think is important. I, I've i done that. I, I've been doing that last... I've done that many times. We've all done that many times. And lately, like, I was thinking about, like, you know, what to talk about since we're coming back, you know, like, what to talk about and the, thing, the hot topic issues and blah, blah, blah. But, like, it, just talk about stuff that you enjoy. Yeah. I mean, we've... We mentioned it before we went on, like... You got to do things for yourself. You have to be selfish. Yeah. You and really, then, really it's do. Like, you know, like, you know, it, that kind of defines you a little bit. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's like, it's good to have an identity. It just take a breather, at least, yeah. and just find what it is that you want to do and want to be passionate about and say to hell with everything else i mean that's the hardest thing to do that to me yeah when you go down that rabbit hole about caring so much about what's going on what people are thinking and where things are going and yeah that's kind of like how i've been feeling it's like i've been getting lost in that it's like i've been caring so much about like stuff going out of the hotel it's like you know i kind of like let myself down a little bit at the same time well like every day you kind of give give a little bit more of yourself up and it's not trying to get too depressing or deep on you folks. No, it's, but, you, it's, know, it's a, you know, it's a fact of life. We all do it sometimes. No, it's, it's not depressing or anything. That's a, what you said is a fact of life. You got to step away from this shit. Like, I, I found that lately what the things that I've been pissing and moaning about have reflected in my own life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not, not in the best way possible. Like, instead of being that beacon of truth and... Yeah. freedom and knowledge or whatever that yeah. i claim that i think i might be big old muscly eagle of america <laughs> that's what i'm right up your my ass head. you know uh, like now that now, now it's getting rule 34 well, on me now but. well i mean like the... <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway like, no it's it's a true thing like the the old saying like what what you want to destroy you end up becoming you I know i like, disagree with that at all 
Yeah. You know, like I, I, I found that lately, like, I mean, in regards of just the show, like trying to find something to talk about and go after and this, that, and you know, I want to attack this and that, but like I ended up finding it in myself. And I was not exuding it to the best of my ability. And the, at the end of the day, you're your, your worst and best critic. So. Yeah. Indoctrination yeah. and hypocrisy are great fucking self-realizing drugs. <clears throat> they yep. are. They'll bring your ass front and center, like when, especially when you catch yourself like, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But. Yeah, well, digressing. Like, you know, what have you been doing fun lately, Ian? Fun? Uh... Let's talk about some fun shit. Let's talk, let's talk about some fun shit. Saw so Theo Vaughn at the Fillmore. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Last Friday, that man puts on a good show. Any any fans or detractors of the Rat King out there, I will say that man is fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, I, he's funny as fuck. <laughs> I, I went in. I It was one of those ones where, like, first of all, I was curious to see how a comedy show would play at the Fillmore because I've only seen musical concerts there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Play, same. Same. Played off very well. Played off very well. The opening acts were, you know, they were good. I honestly can't remember their names, but they were funny. All right. They were funny. They, yeah, they set dude. the tone, but uh, fucking Theo Vaughn came out there, and I did not. I expected a laugh. I expected to have a good time. You know, like a, a three out of five would have been the evening. That's yeah, what I expected. Yeah. I laugh my fucking balls off. Well, dude, that yeah, dude. Do. It's always good to have your expectations low. Dude, like, yeah. well, especially it's great to expect to laugh and then to laugh have your gut, fucking good nuts gut off. Buster. Your, oh, yeah, man. Dude, dude gut, <laughs> gut busters all night. He, he and he was very, uh, very animated. Yeah, very, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of good physical comedy to go along with his witty, silly isms that comes out of his mouth because you can tell that that dude like he knows his material and he's got it down but he's able to improvise off of it to make it seem fresh and anyone out there you go see if Theo Vaughn comes around go see him go see him he's fucking worth the ticket fucking 30-40 bucks go see him you'll laugh about you'll do was hilarious hilarious give give props to Mad Matt Rat King like I remember uh, two specific bits in general. Uh, one was he was telling a story about this dude from back home in Louisiana that had no arms or legs uh, getting arrested. He's okay. like, he's like, man, <laughs> the way they had it, and I'm I'm doing a bad imitation, but like the way they had it, like they had to put the <laughs> they had to put the cuff over his shoulder and like doing this dance move about like this armless dude fucking getting arrested. <laughs> And then another one was uh, he hadn't seen his grandmother in 10 years, and he was on LSD when he was 16, and getting into bed, calling the cops, and forgetting that he had called the cops. And he's like, we woke up. He's like, my grandma and me, we woke up at the same time, looking at the policeman, and we were both confused. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it was kind of headburgerish in a little bit, but, like, dude, dude is on point. I ha- highly recommend The Rat King. He's an entertaining motherfucker. Didn't you go see his concert? Yeah, dude. I went and saw uh, Ghost over at the Huntington Center. Dude, how was that? Like, dude, it was... I, honestly, oh, I didn't have... Fucking... Super, I mean, I didn't really pay like high premium for tickets, but like, I had a good time. 
Like seriously, like even like the the act before them, uh, nothing more. Like they they put on a good ass show. I only saw like the last like I don't know like eleven minutes of their set, and that was fucking entertaining as fuck. Like this dude got up on this like fucking like mechanical synthesizer and started like doing all this fucking crazy synth shit, and then they went into like a cover of We'll Rock You and this like whole thing. It was fucking funny. That was at the Huntington, right? Yeah, dude. Were you on the floor or in the seats? I was in the seats. I wasn't, like, back. quite in the nosebleeds, nosebleeds, but, like, you know, I was, I was probably high up there, but, like, I had a good view of, like, pretty much everything going on. It was, like, not not a bad seat. I, I, I was in, say. I was in like, the the floor nosebleeds, like, when I saw Willie Nelson. Okay. Back in August, I was, I was way back in the back, but I had, like, a ground level view. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, all right, what's the thing with Ghost? All right, can, can you please explain what the fucking thing yeah, is? Because I, mean, I, I, I... It's like our generation's kiss, but like a little more modest, I guess. Like more artistic. Uh, like the clergy's a little like controversial or whatever, but like it's you know it's it's just like a thematic element at the end of the day. Like, like you, if you don't take it seriously, you're gonna have a good time. Like no offense, dude. Like to me, like what I've heard of them and seen of interviews of them, they seem like if Spinal Tap took themselves seriously. They really don't take themselves seriously. It's like, cause like the one dude does like all the album stuff, then he hires a band to do tours, and then that, that's what that's what the guy does. So, so the players are sh- shape shifting. They okay, so they call them nameless ghouls. They're literally nameless ghouls. In like, that sense, this is. Oh man, like I, I tried, I, I tried. I'll, I'll show you some shit later, but like you know, please it's, don't. It's, 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 <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. No, it'll be good. Trust me. Ah. Uh, all right, I'm about to get indoctrinated. Yeah, it's not near as bad as like you know '80s Kiss where they took the mask off. Well, that's different. That. Yeah, that's different. It's different, but like one of the, one yeah. of the great one of the greatest songs ever came out of that, and that's Heaven's on Fire. Okay. Because I mean, if you watch the video, fucking Paul Stanley does a fucking uh, fucking marathon run within three square inches of stage. I'll fucking do it right now. There's a video playing. I I square that shit up. Okay. This is a good cardio burner. <laughs> but yeah, where are we at? Ah, uh, we are hitting about hour thirty-five altogether. Gosh darn it! All right, I think I'm out of shit, Nate, for this one. Hey, it's all good. So in that time, hope you enjoyed our comeback. We're coming back, and we're back, so we'll be here. Yeah. Guys, in the comments girls. below, just make sure let us know what you learned today. Facebook page, Moon Tower Podcast, Stitcher, Stitcher, Instagram, Spotify, Inter- Instagram, Instagram, European Ian, SoundCloud, Europe Ian, uh, underscore Ian. That's where you'll find our episodes. We're getting the fucking YouTube back on track. Uh, Twitter, Moon Tower Podcast, yep, Facebook yep, yep. page, Moon Tower Podcast, all that good stuff. So, folks, we're going to leave you with a new one from Saturn Boy with the help of Fat Boy. This one's called Breathless. Hope you all enjoy it. Once again, good to be back. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy everything. We're going to go eat a fucking bomb-ass meal, so piss off. You guys take our breath away.